now proudly presented on SNME. That's Sunday night's main event. Patreon and free feed. Yo. We just people from the north side. Once the Timmy's hit the shore fine. Went to ready on the four ties. Heavy traffic during four five. Gotta hustle on the own time. Color people at before side. We just people from the north side. Once the Hey guys, what's going on? It's your boy George McKay live here in Oshawa. Destiny Wrestling. Hey, I saw that. I can see it in the camera, Lindsay. Yes, I. As you can see, sitting beside me, one of the OGs of my, one of my personal favorites, anyways, when it comes to Lucha Libre Wrestling, the iconic, the amazing, the lit one himself. Lince Dorado. Look at it. Look how fly this man is. Yo, it's the 2010 and 2011 Mr. Puss and Boos, the most entertaining, most interesting luchador here on the podcast. Lucha Lince Dorado. Amazing. Absolutely. Dude, you have so much energy. That's my intro. It, it, it is absolutely incredible. Just, just play this actually for my intro <laughs> as I'm making my intro. <laughs> We're actually talking off camera. I'm going to be commentating my first calling, my first Linda Dorado match. And I got to say, I'm a big MLW fan. Appreciate it. And I love what the work you did in MLW. I love the stuff that you did with Microman. Oh. I thought everything was entertaining. Microman, I met him in person. Oh, One of the nicest guys ever. But how is it to work? How challenging is it to work with somebody of that stature, considering what he does and what you guys do, to make it all kind of work together? I mean, first of all, that dude is lucha libre. Microman is lucha libre, so it, it wasn't difficult uh, as you thought or as you may think uh, to work with him. But I will say that dude is so dense, man. I've never picked up. I always thought, and if you're watching this, Kaliso, I always said you were the heaviest dude I ever picked up. But I take it back because I will tell you, Microman do not jump when you're trying to pick him up and put him on that top rope. He do not jump at all. He is a rock. So, but other than that, man, I loved my time with Microman. I was brought in to help Microman, um, you know, adjust to the TV style and 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 insinuate his his style and him in himself. And I thought we did a really good job. I, people love the dynamic between me and him. We have action figures coming out this year. Uh, of me and him, which I think is pretty cool. And at the end of the day, it was, you know, it, it was great to work with Microman. I, I would do it all over again. So speaking of which, with the action figures coming out and obviously the likeness is there, is the door to MLW closed? Is your time at MLW done for now? Or is there's always, will we see Linton Dorado back in MLW? You may see me back in WWE or maybe TNA. I would love Impact. to see you back in WWE. Uh, you'll never, you never say never, right? Because at the end of the day, I love being my own boss. I love working for myself. I love going. Shut up! I'm doing something over here. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love doing whatever I want to do. And sometimes that doesn't. You're not, you're not going to be able to do that if you're stuck to one company. Sometimes you got to walk away and then come back. And, I, and that's what I've been kind of doing. I walked away for a little bit. I felt like I did whatever I needed to do at that time. And when I'm ready for the next part of my career, um, you know, I'll definitely make a return back to any of those companies. I love that. Well, since you brought up WWE, got to say, with the kind of changing of the guard that's happened, the company being sold, which in my honest opinion, I never thought would happen. I never thought it. You really did? Man, there would be there would be times in the back that the boys would always be like, do you think we're going to be the last guys to ever work for Vince? And we were. It was kind of crazy to think like we were the last guys. But we actually thought that, you know, as morbid as it is, that he was going to die in office. He never, obviously, I mean, his career died, I guess, after the, everything. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy that it got sold and people, enjoy, you know, right now there's no McMahons. No McMahons. It's crazy. Not a McMahon. There's not a McMahon. I mean, the fingerprints are there. The history is there. The DNA sure, is there. But in terms of physically involved within the business, other than a McMahon on the outside being 
Paul Levesque being a, like a, 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 a son-in-law. To, man. Who should they have given it to? Who do you think? Well, I mean, I'm a Triple H guy. I thought Triple I, H was deserved. Triple H, hey, Paul, you know me and you are boys. I got you. I'm a Paul guy. I'm a Paul Heyman and a Paul Levesque guy. But I thought they were going to give it to Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, honestly, believe it or not, low-key businessman connoisseur that dude was so cool to interact and talk with like he loved the cruiserweights we had a great conversation very smart but i think he became a uh, like a family man like once he had his boys and his wife he you know that became his number one rather than like the wrestling and something and, you know good for him dude like i would rather it be that way but shane i thought was gonna uh, take at one it. point in time at one was point. being groomed yeah i thought but he then was also be. i know that he did in, in the early days when he walked away the first time he walked away because he wanted to carve out his own path a thousand percent and you can't blame no, uh, no you no. can't blame anybody for wanting to carve out their own destiny not, right not only that i no absolutely not not only that i think he was aware of a lot of the shady tactics his, his you know his, his dad did while being a businessman and you know being a father myself and having boys it's kind of a bad representation to you know be uh, hey this is your grandfather kind of thing but look at what he's doing you know they're going to read that and i think he was just trying to set a better example for him and his his investments and investors that he's got going on because i know he has a lot but at the end of the day um I think the right person is in charge right now. I think Paul Levesque's got it. He's always been that dude to been super passionate about the product and wrestling in general. Every time you hear him talk from the Attitude Era to now, it's always been super passionate about wrestling. So it's kind of hard to you know not respect that dude when all he does is and wants to do is show respect. Absolutely. I mean, he's the guy that really behind the scenes, in a lot of ways, mended fences, fixed broken relationships cm punk, CM punk. Warrior. <laughs> warriors crazy yeah, story of how that that that, that, that went down and even though he was one of the ones that was featured in the destruction of this of the ultimate warrior dvd he was the one that went to oh, warrior yeah. and said listen i was part of a story i wasn't even really sh i shouldn't have been speaking yeah. on that dvd well i think also too that dvd was like a hit i think i think they were just trying to get back at um Ultimate for a lot of the, the stuff oh, Vince that... Vince McMahon hitting below the belt? Not what? Vince McMahon. No! <laughs> Son of a bitch. Now, um... You're fired! That's such good shit. Um, but no, I think at the end of the day, yeah, um, like we like we just said, yeah, he, he's got... They're, they're in the right trajectory to be more global, maybe universal. Like, that, that's why they call it, you know, the WWE Universe. It's not global anymore. It's become so... It, if we get on Mars, it's going to be the first galactic company, and then UFC and all that. And I love UFC, but UFC, we're going to be watching it tonight, me and you. Take me. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for that. So I got to ask you this, though. Um, you know, Mexico, hallowed halls of pro wrestling. There's so much history in Mexico. But when I look at WWE and them being global, that is a market that they haven't fully tapped into. They brought talent in, yes, but they haven't decided to cross that border go for that they've been to puerto rico yes. they've now been to australia they've been to australia multiple times they've been to the uk they they are global but when do you think it'll be the time when will we see wwe in mexico when will, could we see a wwe triple a you know partnership i mean the sky's the limit with pro wrestling right now because the forbidden door is not even a door anymore yeah. it's kind of like a it's kind of like a revolving, a revolving door, door. Yeah, yeah it's a revolving door i think i think it might be a little bit more difficult than fans uh would think when it comes to wwe or any company 
going to Mexico. And it's only because the AAA and CMLL stranglehold that they have on the entire wrestler industry down there, you know, between permits, cartel, um, immigration. It's, it's just so difficult for anybody to be substantial down there and hold a company. Not only that, uh, a lot of the arenas are owned by CMLL and they're not going to rent it out to, you know, anybody other than potentially concerts or something other than their competition, you know? It doesn't make sense They'll to They'll rent them. it out as long as it makes sense, but if it starts dipping into their pool, exactly, they're not going to want exactly. that. Exactly, So, like, that's why you don't see when you go, uh, when WWE goes to Mexico, they're not at these arenas that, you know, w, uh, uh, CMLL or these other companies run. And it's because of that. They don't want them there. It's their territory. It's still very old school. Um, and people, a lot of people don't realize CMLL has been around longer than WWE and WWF. So they kind of feel as if they know what they're doing. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, you know, that's their territory. I think it will happen eventually. I think there will be a partnership or a WWE NXT or something, like how they did with um, the UK, you know. I think maybe one day there will be a men fe uh, fence mended between those companies and, you know, a, a working relationship will, will come about it. Well, I mean, if you can if you can have this pie and it be a great size pie and, you know, everybody gets a piece, but then you can get an even bigger pie and yeah. even bigger piece. Why wouldn't you want to take that avenue? Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things. But also, too, you got to remember uh, the WWE audience is American based. If, They're very if, much in a bubble. Yeah, yes. very much in a bubble. So if, they, if they're going to any niche that isn't catered to the American public, which Mexico isn't, um, you know, it becomes irrelevant to them i guess like you know not not worth it i guess even though there are fans in countries like mexico or in india like millions of people billions of people who love wwe you know but also to those countries are they lack the resources for these people to go to these places um you know it, it's just a lot of politics it's a lot of financial things rather than like just the love for pro wrestling that we all share Absolutely. That, that is one thing that we definitely can agree on. Now, being Lucha Libre, again, one of my all-time favorite styles, the cruiserweight size, one of my all-time favorite styles, the welterweight size, the middleweight size, whatever you want to call it, it's a great stream and there's so much energy. When I look at the history of cruiserweights, and, and obviously I know a lot, but I don't know everything, but I will say this, the WCW stuff was some of my favorite stuff, the Eddie Guerrero stuff. Uh, I was a big Billy Kidman guy. I love Psychosis. You know, Who Psychosis was one of my all-time favorites. So Psychosis, is, I always said, there's two things I want to say. Psychosis, I always said, without him, there'd probably be no Ray because they would never have that match at war. They would never have those matches at ECW. And maybe there would have been a Ray, but I think how Psychosis elevated and showcased Ray really helped Ray a lot. Um, going back, I was also a big WCW guy when it only came to the Crusades. That's the only real reason why I watched it. Billy Kidman and me, fun story. Ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. Same birthday, May 11th. Right on. With uh, Robert Roode. And me and Billy Kidman have the same finisher, Shooting Star Press. You do. And you also have... I've you never also killed anybody with it, though, Billy. <laughs> do you also have a pair of jorts? Uh, no, I don't, actually. Do you have a white white beater? Nope, I don't, actually. Did you ever have long hair that you would grease and slick back? I am bald as hell. <laughs> so other than the birthday and the finisher, you don't you never owned a pair of jorts once in your life? Come on. I'm not a jean guy, man. Not a jean guy? I can see that. You you flow with the I, I do love you said you made this yourself. I did make this myself. I'm a, I'm a more comfort guy. I'm more 
I'm, I'm more of the Albert Einstein, like I'm a genius. I like to spend my money on other things other than clothes and stuff. So I don't mind making clothes because that doesn't really cost as much. But uh, I'm more of a comfort. I just want to make sure I'm good and relaxed. Because if I'm good and relaxed here, I'm good and relaxed here. That's that's what it's all about. I love that. Yeah, you got the comfort tracks. You got the Crocs that you're rocking. Hey, man, why you say my Crocs, man? You, you didn't see I love Crocs. Right. No, I do love my Crocs. After wrestling, wrestling boots for like 20 years, your feet start to hurt. And Crocs is like... The best. <laughs> Listen, Deadpool got into Crocs after he got shot up. That's true. That's true. Who doesn't love Crocs? That's true. Who don't love Crocs? Fired. That's it. Get off the show. Yep. Everybody here is ruined. Actually, my kid my kid would live and breathe in Crocs if she could. I, every, everybody in my house has Crocs. My cats have Crocs. You guys have stocks and Crocs? Uh, oh, no. That's like some uh, Dr. Maybe, Seuss maybe, stuff right maybe, there. Do- stocks and Crocs. <laughs> On the blocks. <laughs> And sometimes we wear them with or without socks. Hey, oh, you nasty wearing them without socks. <laughs> so when I look at, again, the, the history of the stuff that you did at WWE, the run that you had, and you even mentioned earlier on in this conversation, sometimes you got to walk away and then you got to find your way back. You walked away. You've been able to carve out you know, a very healthy uh, brand and reputation for yourself, which is fantastic to see. And you're also one of the nicest and humblest people. I actually watched you kick ass today earlier with a seminar teaching the kids. What's that like as you reach this next stage of your career that you mentioned, being able to pass on knowledge, but also still being able to come out here and do what you love, which is entertain people? Yeah, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I, I was very fortunate that I walked away on my own from WWE. I just felt uh, the moment that it became work rather than my passion, I needed to walk away and kind of reunite that. Naturally, I'm a teacher at heart before WWE. I was a wrestler. I was a math teacher while I was wrestling on the independent scene. So the teaching in me has never really left me. And now that I'm on that you know, second part of my career or whatever part of my career that I can give back and teach. And, you know, as I'm, I'm a consultant right now for WWE, uh, you know, where I go back and teach at the PC and I kind of do that here. So I, I naturally like the idea of giving back because in my head too, my wrestling doesn't owe me anything, but if I can leave wrestling a little bit better than when I got it, and uh, that makes me good. So if I can help somebody else get to the next level or help them get there quicker rather than you know, how it was for me, uh, then I feel like I've done wrestling a justice and you know, did my part and again, not be selfish and stuff. I, I try not to be angry. I know, I know I can whoop anybody's ass for sure. I know straight, I love fighting, real life. I love wrestling, amateur. I love jujitsu, I love judo, but I know too that I love providing for my family. And this is how I provide by teaching and going in there and having a great time and never having left that passion um, you know, from when I first saw wrestling, every time I step in that ring, it's always there. I want to make sure everybody feels the passion that I have from the moment I leave that curtain to the moment I walk back. And they, you know, that's all it's all about for me, creating moments. And something I told the audit, my, my seminar today is, you know, I don't sell motion. I sell emotion. And that's what I do. I want to make sure that at the end of the day, no matter what's going on in their life, they know that they pay their hard-earned money to to escape and I'm going to give them, you know, the ride of their life. I love that. And when you mention the words escape, it's actually picture perfect, you know, because I look at, I, I did not have the best life. I'll be so, honest with you. Yep, yep. And uh, yet I can look at the great moments in life and wrestling was either a part of it or somewhere in the nuance of the universe at the time. For example, uh, when I met my wife, found out she was a diehard wrestling fan. I myself a diehard wrestling nice. fan. I was like, I got to put a ring on it. Yeah. You don't meet a lot of women. Put a ring on it in the ring. 
I didn't do that. I wish I would have, but I didn't. I went classic. I went with the waiter at the keg with the tray. Slacking. Should have been body slam. Be like, help me. I got a ring if somebody wants to help me. (laughs) (laughs) I should have. You're right. Maybe when we get remarried on our 25th anniversary. But wrestling, in a lot of ways, I look at wrestling as something that saved me. Saved me at my darkest points in life. Would you say, as much as wrestling does have that clouded darkness to it, and it's unfortunate, and the, the, the situations that we're in now, not even talking about the Vince McMahon situation, but the last couple of years of everyone kind of removing those individuals who were not the best for this sport in this business we love. And now it's getting cleaned up. And you talked about leaving it better than you found it. I think wrestling as a whole is organically cleaning itself out. I think so. And when I, but would you say that wrestling in a lot of ways, like it did for me, would you say you've heard, I'm not the first person you've heard that for before in terms of wrestling saved me or was a part of my life that made me find something that I could love in the darkness that was my life at the times? For sure. Absolutely. At least for me, I, I can only speak for myself, but I know for other people that I've surrounded myself with, like it's very similar. I also did not grow up in the best area of New Jersey. I actually grew up in Camden, New Jersey, which was voted uh, worst city in America for like five years in a row. Yeah. And, um, you know, from that, you're, there was only two ways in or, or two ways out, a body bag or if you left, you know. And if you ended up staying, you were going to leave in a body bag. My father was murdered when I was 12 years old, um, you know, and I could have took that as, you know, maybe I should walk in his footsteps and end up the same way or I need to get the hell out and, you know, restart my life. And the passion and drive that I got from wrestling every time I saw it gave me the motivation that this was my escape. This was my calling. You know, this was what I was going to do the rest of my life to provide for my kids. And if it wasn't for wrestling and education, like the teachers I had were great teachers. I was I was I was an okay student. I was a great student when it came to grades. It's only because the teachers that I had were on me like they knew. I was special. They knew. They saw the potential. They saw the potential, and um, you know, they they pushed me to where I needed to be. They they were the parents that I didn't have, and um, you know, wrestling helped me out so much to the point where now I even said this to the the, the people over here: you're either 99% in or 100% in. Like it seems pretty close, but it's not. As a 99%er, you're the ones that always say like you want to do it, but never put in the work. 100%ers are the ones. Like no offense to my family, and I've told this to them. They became second, third, fourth, fifth sometimes in order for me to achieve this. Because if I wasn't able to achieve this, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in now. And if they weren't in that position that they're in now, then they would be in the position I was in as a child. And that's what I was trying to avoid for them. Um, So because of wrestling, not only saved my life, but it helped, you know, my family's life as well. Absolutely. And again, I love that. Dude, you're passionate, dude. This is, I love conversations like this. And that's what we do here. We don't just, you know, we don't just talk. Uh, We don't just do an interview. Where did you grow up? We have conversations. That's what makes straight talk different. Now, back to my other part of the question being wrestling in the last couple of years have organically cleaned itself in a lot of ways. And I think your run was kind of in the midst of when things were kind of percolating and bubbling. Oh, yeah. And now it's in the point where we see everyone having to take ownership for their skeletons. Yes. For somebody like yourself who was on both sides of the coin, seeing the percolation and now seeing it come to fruition, are you at all shocked and surprised by some of the names that have been called out for some of the despicable things that have been done? No, because, uh, and I'm only speaking to some people that I've only had interactions with. Uh, for example, one of my trainers, piece of shit, um, he's, he knows where he's at and he knows who he is. 
But um, yeah, I, I knew from day one that I didn't believe in the cult of of the wrestling schools that had like what they were doing back in the day of like you know you got to stay here if you want to be successful or you know the mind control of like oh i'm going to control your destiny no like your job as a trainer is to train me to give and take professional wrestling moves and put a match together other than that i don't owe you anything you don't owe me anything um you know i was actually one of the guys uh when i got released when i got my release i actually had a guy um you know try to like poke at me and this was a guy who whose daughter is in wrestling right now and he was trying to get into wrestling so in my head i was like hey man you crossed over so you're kind of one of us so now you're going to get you know the 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 wrath of one of us and i told him straight up i said hey man listen i'm going to be here at this time i had a jujitsu competition actually the day after i got my release and i told him i said hey this is where i'm going to be at Come here. Come t come say the stuff that you have online to my face. Let's have a conversation. I want you to be a man and show your daughter you're a man and have this conversation to my face. And when it came to a point where, you know, he started getting scared, I, I gave him no excuse. And this is my accountability that I have for people. I bought him four tickets, one for him, his wife, his daughter, and the, maybe the ass whooping I was going to give him. I bought him a, a parking ticket. So all he had to do was show up. All he had to do was show up, had this conversation. Harper was laid out? Like a man, and he decided not to. So um, he ended up deactivating his Twitter and kind of like got backlash too from a lot of people because he was also kind of bullying a lot of people. But I'm not a man to like, here's the other thing. We're all men. We're all adults. Men talk like men, and if you don't, well, there's consequences. There's reper repercussions. There's no longer that we can be safe hiding behind this camera or, you know, this keyboard or have the uh, the police there like because at the end of the day we're going to police ourselves here in wrestling that's just wrestling and if we have a problem we're going to solve it one way or another me it depends on that mood maybe it'll be words maybe it won't be words but either way we're going to have a conversation one way or another if we have a problem that's what we're going to do so anybody got a problem with me you already know where to find me i post my my schedule all the time where i'm at so come find me come have some words good luck i think that's fair that's honest and, I, and that's what I, that's what I love. But I love the honesty. I love, I love the candid, the candidness of the way you speak. Listen, this is me. This is who I am. Yeah. I'm an, even beforehand. I said, is there anything you I don't want to talk about? First thing you said to me, no, nah, man, I'm an open book. I learned that from WWE because uh, the first two years in WWE, I tried to be who I thought they wanted me to be. Try to be part of the machine. Yes. And then I realized I am not like you. I'm just not. This is how I am. This is, how I'm talking to you is how I would talk to Vince or Paul Heyman or Pat Patterson anytime there was an issue or I had a problem or I had a suggestion. I'm not a submissive person. I'm, I'm not a, a, you know, a demanding person, but we're going to be fair and talk like men because like, that's how it always starts. And um, you know, I learned that I need to be a man when I talk to people. And I learned that from WWE, honestly. Um, and now that my mindset is different, it's kind of good and bad at the same time because even though I can talk to men like or men like men not all men can talk to men like men so it makes it still a little bit hard to get your point across but I don't take it personal man at the end of the day it is what it is as long as you don't mess with me or my family or my money you know you ain't gonna catch these hands Absolutely. You know what? It's weird. Even when you try to be open and honest like myself, I, I went through a couple of struggles. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a really you know, dark stage of depression. I talk about it quite openly on the show all the time. And uh, it was because of my wife and my daughters. I'm a girl dad. Yep. Everyone in the family is a girl, even the dog. I don't have any testosterone in my house, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. 
And um, I love my daughters, I love my wife, and they were the reasons that I, I'm still here today. And when I posted my you know, two-year anniversary of where I was to where I am now, there was a couple of people who were like, you know what, you're a man, men don't do stuff like this. No, men, men do. Men could be open, men could be honest. And you know what, it's okay to cry, it's okay to be emotional, because at the end of the day, if I didn't hone in on my emotions, I might have not stayed where I, on the course I, that I'm, I'm on now. I'm learning that the hard way now to be more emotional. Now that I have my boy, I have, I have my kids, and um, you know, I make sure that I cry in front of my kids. I make sure that they know when I'm mad or upset that it's okay to be mad and upset. You don't have to go hide in your room. You don't have to walk away. You know, if you don't have somebody right there and then that can hold you or comfort you, it's okay to just let go and let loose, you know? And it sucks at first when my kids saw me cry because I could see how hurt they were, but they needed to feel that because, you know, at the end of the day, that's a, a natural thing. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It, you don't have to be a female just to cry, you know? It doesn't make you yeah, less of a person. Yeah, it doesn't make you, if anything, it makes you more, uh, more of a person because you're able to express yourself, get it out of the way, have that conversation with yourself or somebody else who's done you wrong and fix it and move on. Because a lot of us will stay mad and waste that energy that we could do or could use to put toward bettering ourselves you know so that's where it's all about i actually cried with my kids the other day um we were just talking i'll be very honest i'm, I'm going through a divorce and you know it's not the best but at the end of the day my kids are with me and that's you know they're my life and i knew they were going with their mom pretty soon and i just had a breakdown because you know they've been with me since july of last year and now that they're going to go back i just felt so lost so yesterday before the show actually today i was so lost i was home alone i have cats but you know, the energy is different when your kids aren't around you. <coughs> I just bawled all day, cried, and then watched some movies, cried again. And then at the end of the day, I needed to get that out because if not, if I didn't, I don't know where I would be at today mentally. You know, I always try to keep a focused, positive mind and just stay forward. I love that. I absolutely love. I loved a lot of stuff of what you said, man. You're very, appreciate very honestly, very honest and real person. And appreciate I appreciate that. To do, we should all be honest and, and honestly. I'm not saying I don't care about your feelings, but I have to worry about mine. I have to live with my feelings every day. And if something somebody's doing is affecting that in some way, I have to address it, whether it's completely disconnect or, hey, brother, I need you to stop that and like understand that this is why. And some people, like I said, great to have that conversation with. Some people you're not able to and you just got to cut them out. Absolutely. My final question before we wrap it up, because I know you got to eat, prepare for your match and all that stuff. I'm a Triple H guy, like you said. I'm, I'm, I'm literally top five is on my Mount Rushmore, and I know you've had conversations with the man. I know you've worked with the man. Yeah. You got a funny Triple H story that maybe nobody might know, or even one that you told a thousand times over. Because I'm always about funny Triple H stories. Okay, so Triple H actually, super man. I will say I was never a Triple H guy until I got to WWE and started really understanding what he was doing. And if you see, you've seen me without my mask, and some people, like I said. They could either, I, I probably have this like, I'm angry face or I'm just like uninterested face. It's not, I, it's, it's just my face, I guess. And one day it was me, Kalisto and uh, Metallic talking and I, we, we're massless and you know, everybody, we're all good looking guys, but he just looked at me and I just asked him, I was like, why do you keep looking at me? He's like, you, you look like a dude who would stab me in the back. And like he said that in a good way. I said, no, absolutely not. I would be the dude to stab you in the front while you're looking. And he laughed. And like ever since then, like he, him and Paul Heyman have always been super high on me because of how, again, how honest I am, how very upfront I am. Uh, you know, I'm not pretending to be hard. I'm not trying to be hard. This is just who I am. You know, I, just a no nonsense. I'm not. You know, I love having fun in the ring, 
but like you know you don't want to fuck with me either kind of thing so no. i don't want i always say this i don't want problems but i don't mind problems either i like that it's like i don't run for my problems i'm here if the problems come i'm here yeah, yeah, i'm here I, I mean obviously i'm not looking for problems but like i said if y'all want it you already know where to find it absolutely now another question i gotta ask because i think this is an interesting perspective and i just kind of popped into my head mm-hmm. ray mysterio he went maskless there have been mass versus career matches all this kind of stuff in Lucha Libre, the mask is everything. When you kind of come to like a point in a feud or a, or a storyline where you have to go like mask against career, how does that affect the momentum of, say, your character, your brand, knowing that if you do end up having to go maskless, this could ultimately change the course oh, of your that, career? No, it not could. It will. It will change your whole trajectory. It could make or break. It could... Uh you know, keep you stagnant. <laughs> it could keep you, you know, now into this momentum of, uh, of, of craziness. It really just depends. But what if I told you I've been wrestling without the mask? You just don't know it. <coughs> what if I, I, would, said, I would, I would be shocked. What if I said last year I wrestled 30 times without the mask? You never knew it. No, I never knew it at all. Yeah. I know you were thinking about it. You were toying. You toyed with it on socials, but I don't remember it ever being. It's called planting seeds. Planting seeds. When you when you put it on social, but when you do it, the seed is planted. So, do you enjoy? I mean, you got I, both I sides. Do. I do. Point, I right? do enjoy. I do. I do enjoy because it, it is totally different. I don't have the same move set. I don't have the same mannerisms. Oh, so you it, change everything. Everything. Everything looks so different. You don't even know that it's me. Um, I used to wrestle twice on shows back before WWE. One as a good guy, one as a bad guy. Totally different matches. Nobody would never notice that it was me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of like experiment and I kind of like playing it. And who knows, later on in my life, maybe when I tell my story that I've always been here, maybe, um, you know, it'll make sense to a lot of people. It absolutely will. Now I, I got to one. I got to start looking. I got to start look. researching. Got to look. Got to start researching these matches. All right. And my final question, because I get Jersey is Jersey. But when it comes to Jersey, there is one good thing that I've heard about Jersey, any spot in Jersey, and that is food. What is the best spot in Jersey for anything? Pasta, steak, pizza. What is the best? What is the best? Actually, no, forget it. Let's go unhealthy. What is the best greasy spoon spot in Jersey? Either way, it's the same answer. Any diner, uh, the Philly diner in um, Renamede, New Jersey, South Jersey is pretty good. But honestly, if you go to any diner in Jersey, you can get... Anything you want, anytime you want, and it's great. You can get pasta in the morning, pasta. At the- wow. It's all Mikey's fault. See that guy right there? Piece of shit. Yeah, it's stupid. That guy right there. Now he's trying to look at you, jackass. Uh, but yeah, uh, any diner food. Actually, we just went there for Christmas, and that's all that we ate. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, but check it out, diners. I love it. All right, guys, that's it for this one. As always, your host, your boy, George Mackay, with my new friend, my new compadre. Yes, sir. Mi familia, Linda Dorado. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you so much for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and turn on that notification bell so you get notified each time we post a video. Alternatively, you can check us out on all podcast platforms and host it on Podbean. We are also available on the SNME Network. That's the Sunday Night Main Event Patreon. Please feel free to check us out there as well. And don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at underscore Straight Talk on Twitter, at Straight Talk Wrestling on Instagram, Straight Talk Wrestling on Facebook, Straight Talk Wrestling on TikTok, 
TikTok, and of course, you can check out all our merch at ProWrestlingTees.com. I don't need a nigga cosign. Without the liquor, you become a victim. You ain't never got a pole mine. I ain't messing with this generation. Fuck your gender, I ain't got...